There we go. Okay, so we're going to be moving on from Genesis chapter 1. When I say Genesis chapter 1, what am I really talking about? The first unit. 1 and then 2 through 4, uh, through 3, you know, that first part of Gen- the, that first, the Eden narrative. And then, uh, and then when I say the Eden narrative, I'm really talking about Genesis 2 all the way through 3. Uh, so that 2, 4, what it is. Um, it's the, the narrative that, uh, that, that we began on. Um, hold on. Bringing up a different passage. So, um, so yeah, because the, the I, well, we kind of screwed that one up. The narrative is what determines it. So we're going to be looking at the native narrative. I've decided that this, fir- this unit that we're going to be working on is really going to cover all the way through chapter 5, I believe. Um, as we, uh, not today, obviously, but, uh, but the, the unit I'm, I'm teaching through at the moment, uh, we're going to get through chapter 11 eventually. Um, and then we'll see where we go through from there. But, uh, but right now we're talking about the Eden narrative and we have a few classes on that and, uh, we won't spend nearly as much time on it as we did Genesis chapter 1 because we're going to be riffing off the same ideas that we saw back in Genesis chapter 1. So we've already spent so much time in Genesis chapter 1 that we've got this strong basic background that we don't need to spend as much time in Genesis chapter 2 because we've already had this background that Genesis chapter 2 is working off of. So we can move forward in a much quicker space. Um, How to begin, I guess, is a good question. Let's begin by turning in our scriptures to Genesis chapter 2, um, verse 4. And uh, you know what? Let's go ahead and read that. Let me bring up my Bible. Let's see. I need... Currently, I am using the CSB. Christian Standard Version. Uh, that is not because it's better than any other, just because what I brought up. Uh, I don't hold to one translation over another, as you guys know. I chose specifically chose not to choose the Hebrew or the Greek, so it's an English translation. I did, I did, and we're going to talk about Hebrew words as we go through. (laughs) Um, Well, I'm not going to leave the Hebrew behind, because it is originally written in Hebrew. So we are going to be talking about Hebrew words, but uh, today we'll focus on English. Uh, How's that sound? (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Yeah, I've got this on here. Let's go ahead and read through uh, the Eden narrative. Why don't you guys think of any questions you might have? Do I have someone who has volunteered to write for me? Yeah, right. What we're going to do is let's read through this, and then I'll open it up for you guys to ask your questions, and someone can write them down. And that way, and I, that way, I make sure I hit them. Lene, would you write them down? Thank you. Oh, you're going to. Uh, well, that's what it looked like to me. Um. Uh, well, me, but that's uh, that's not here or there. I can read just about anyone's writing. Um, <laughs> um, that way we can make sure I hit the questions you have as we go through this. Uh, some of it I might tell you, and I'll probably talk about this more at the end of this class or next week, but some of it, like one of the biggest questions that come up when we talk about this is a historicity. I want you to go ahead and ask those questions today, but... I might push off some of those questions to like the end of the unit. Um, because remember how I talked about in Genesis chapter 1 how if we focus too much on like what really happened and what, you know, we lose track of what the Bible is actually saying. And I, I want to focus on what the Bible actually says before we start asking the questions about like historicity and, and how that looked and stuff like that. So we're going to, so those questions are not, and I'm not saying they're not important. I'm just saying I don't want to focus on them first. I want to focus on what the Bible actually says. 
Um, yeah, we'll talk about all the, how this fits in um, this week or next week. Um, we'll see how far we get today. Uh, I don't want to rush. I want to just let us set the pace as we go. Um, you know, we're here. If we're not here tomorrow, then guess what? We're somewhere else that's better. So <laughs> then we don't. You know, you'll be in the paradiso. <laughs> So we don't need this if we're not here tomorrow. So let's take our time. Uh, make sure we get understanding more so than setting dates and saying, let's make sure we get through this point. Stuff like that. I want to make sure we get understanding. Um, so let's go ahead and start with reading. Um, these are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning the creation at the time that the Lord God made earth and the heavens. These are the records. That's not the best translation, but that's okay. Uh, we'll talk about that later. No shrub on the field had yet grown on the land. No plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God, remember all caps LORD, what's that word? Yahweh. 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 That's the Yahweh. The Y-H-W-H, that's the Yahweh, all caps of the Lord, that's the Lord God. Yahweh Elohim, uh, so Elohim meaning the word that uh, a spirit, uh, can mean God or gods or any sp spiritual being. It's like a, a classification. So we're saying this God, this Yahweh is the name of this Elohim, um, this God. Um, had not made it rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. But the mist would come up from the earth and water all the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust, and from the ground had breath, the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. Remember we talked about that in, in Genesis 1, we talked about that those, uh, the, when we talked about the image of God, we talked about that breath uh, ceremony into the, that where the, we represent God as his statue, and that's one of the images here that's taking on. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden um, in the east, and there he placed the man. He had formed, the Adam he had formed, and the Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river went out from Eden to water the garden. From there it divided and became the source of four rivers. The name of the first was Physion, which flows through the entire land of uh, Havala, there, where, uh, where there is gold. Gold from the land is pure. Um, okay, I can't see it. I'm going to have to. Bedillium, thank you. <laughs> I've got a. a, a bedlium, bedlium had. Onyx, and also uh, was also there. And the name of the second river is Gihon, which flows through the entire land of Cush. And the name of the third river is Tigris, which runs east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Um, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it and the Lord God commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree of the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for on that day you eat it you will certainly die 
I'll probably mention this again, but certainly die is you will die, die. <laughs> it's a repeated word to give emphasis. <laughs> um, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. And the Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called a living creature, it, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, to every wild animal. But the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the, f the flesh at that place. Uh, I don't really care for the word rib there either. Um, we'll talk about that when we get there. Uh, then the Lord God made the, the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and this one will be called Isha, woman, for when she was taken from Ish, man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked and yet felt no shame. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he had said to the woman, Did God really say you cannot eat from the tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit from the trees of the garden, but about the fruit of the tree of the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat or touch it or you will die. No, you will, not certain, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that, which, that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing what good and evil. And the woman saw that the tree was good, for the food and delightful to look at and it was and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom so she took some of its fruit and ate it and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it then the eyes were then their eyes were both of the both of them were opened and they knew they were naked and so they so leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife were, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then he said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man replied, the woman you gave to me, to be me, uh, gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. So the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat the dust all of your, all of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. She will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And he said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains and you will bear children and painful efforts. Your desire will be for your husband and yet he will rule over you. 
And he said to the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, which I have commanded you, do not eat from, the ground is cursed because of you. You know, it's interesting. I was, I was just thinking about that as I was reading this. Women and man, they're not cursed. Go back and read that. They don't get cursed. They have consequences because of their cursing, because of their actions. But they themselves are not cursed. The ground is cursed. The serpent's cursed. Um, the ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by the means of your painful labor all the days of your life. Interesting enough, the, the painful labor is both on the man and the woman. There's painful labor. It's a different kind of labor, but it's, a, but it's, it's the same, same wording. Uh, it will produce thorns and thistles, and you will eat plants of the, and you will not, you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground, since you were taken from it. For you are dust, and you will return to dust. The man named his wife Eve, because Havla, because she was the mother of all living. The Lord God made clothing from the skin of the skins for the man and his wife, and he clothed them. And the Lord God said, Since a man has become like one of us, knowing good from evil, he must not reach out, take from the tree of life, and eat and live forever. So the Lord God sent him away from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove man out of the station of the cherubim and the, and the flaming, whirling sword east of the Garden of Eden to the guard the way to the tree of life. Cherubim? Is that what you said? Uh, cherubim is a type of uh, angelic host, uh, type of the heavenly host that is um, like a throne room guardian. That's their role as a, 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 a throne room guardian. And they have a, and a flaming, whirling sword. So they have like this flaming sword that kept them from the, the, the garden in this narrative. And uh, the chair, interesting enough, um, um, if you follow certain passages, it's believed that Satan was originally a, a cherubim, which is a throne room guardian, um, which is different from a lot of times the way we see Satan as like this, but he, uh, uh, he's a throne room guardian. They thought it was okay to be naked. Would they still be naked? Um, well, uh, the idea is that they, 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 well, we'll get into this later, but if man had not sinned, then there would be no need for the barrier between us. Uh, clothing are just a metaphor for, um, yes, clothing is part of it, but anything that keeps us from one another. You know, this is off, I was also thinking about that too. The clothing is also yeah. a, a similar to metaphor for innocence and stuff. Okay, but I also think too, they were banished from Eden, so I think clothes were necessary because Eden was paradise and you were weathered and you changed and that type of thing too. Yeah, definitely they needed to be dressed for when they left the Eden place, the paradiso. The, the paradise of Eden. I'm trying to understand the cherubim's uh, role because what would they what would they have been guarding? They still they didn't break back into Eden. <laughs> they couldn't get back into Eden. That that cherubim is there to stop them from getting. Uh,
That is a question I can't really answer. The throne room guardian is a type of angelic ghost. It doesn't necessarily mean like, see, we don't think in throne room imagery anymore because we don't have throne rooms in our society. <laughs> um, but the imagery that they post is God is king sitting on his throne and then there are heavenly hosts that serve different th functions. One of them is the throne room, like there are guardians, there are heralds, there are, um, there are uh, people that, uh, um, someone who goes around and accuses people, there's uh, a tester, there's, you know, there's, there's different, you know, they, there's the, the, an, uh, the angel over the churches, the, uh, the assemblies. Um, so there's different, uh, different roles that the angels fill. And so, um, so th we've got this, this imagery that is, co is confusing to us because we don't think in throne room scenery anymore. We, d we just don't. We don't have that imagery. And I think, you know, I'm glad. I don't want to have a king. <laughs> but it is something we have to wrap our head around because they would have automatically seen these roles. Um, and... Uh, and so they, but, but to guard the, the throne room guardian, is, it does more than just stand and, and defend, but it's also like uh, to keep people out, to do the will of the Lord, whatever the little said. You know, there's, there's lots of roles that, that would have, he would have portrayed. Her question was it, what did it, before. Adam and Eve messed up. What was the throne room guardian doing? Well, that only assumes that we're the ones that they're guarding against. Well, whole God is. One thing we have to recommend our head around is God Himself is outside of time. He's not in the time narrative. He joins in with us in time when He deals with us. I mean, Jesus was in time. But God, who is outside of that realm, is outside of time itself. And that is something like I, I, I can't even really fathom what that would even look like um, because we are in time and there's no way we can not be in time. <laughs> Um, but he's outside of that. And so there's a lot we can't understand about. And they enter into this narrative that we're telling us within our cosmology, within their cosmology, it's not ours, their cosmology, to try to teach us things and try to put it in ways we can understand. So... That's a very interesting question. Is evil a thing? Ooh, let's come back to that idea. Write that one down, Lene. <laughs> let's come back to that one. You can wrap your hand around it. Is evil a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what does the, the serpent look like before the... That's a good question, too. We'll come to that one, too. Let's, let's, let's come to that one when we get there. Uh, I don't want to start jumping all over the place. That's why we're doing this, this read-through and just asking some questions so we can write things down and make sure we hit these things. He wants to know if it could... How did, could it walk before it crawled on the belly? And Yeah, what did, what did it look like? Um, and that's... One of the things that we'll have to approach. All right. All right, let's keep reading. Yeah, okay, yeah. Nope. Nope. Who was supposed to tell Eve? <laughs> Adam. Adam was supposed to tell Eve. So, so, so it's kind of, I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking about 
where was Adam there? He, apparently he was with her. The silence of Adam is an interesting theological debate that's been with us forever, and, and we can do some fun things with it, but the quite real, reality is we have no real answers about that because the Bible doesn't tell us. But uh, there's some fun things we can do with the silence of Adam. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come to that as we get to it, yeah. Yeah, there's an interesting, we'll talk about that here in a minute, well, probably next week, um, but we'll talk about that next week, about the, the, the challenge found in that, those two verses, those, those ideas. Uh, well, let's, let's go ahead and finish this up. We're on, tw- I guess, are we, we did, we finished it up, okay, uh, we finished, all right. So, yeah, so the idea is... Um, yeah, well, that one right there, the, the, the challenge of, um, of that is, is a very real challenge. Let me enter this other screen. There we go. Um, all right, so um, this is a quote from Tim Mackey. Tim Mackey is the guy from the Bible, one of the guys from the Bible Project, Tim and John. Uh, I, I, I go to them a lot because I really appreciate the work they do in helping, uh, well, one, they're honest with the Bible, and I don't always agree with Tim, but I like the way he's honest with it, and he's real with it, and uh, I don't always, and John's always pulling him back out of the clouds, and, uh, <laughs> um, but I love the artist work and the charts they have, and they always, and they're, it's all free, and that's their, they, they get donations from people. And every bit of their stuff is free. And I'm always telling you guys, go to check out the Bible Project. They have a lot of stuff out there uh, to help us understand the Scriptures. Um, um, but this is one of the quotes that he has that I, uh, I, I really appreciated what he said. He says, Adam and Eve's story has been crafted intentionally as part of the introduction to the storyline of the Hebrew Bible as the entire work it is, go- is doing exactly what Jesus said it is doing. I like how he's putting that focus back to Jesus. And that's one of the things that I'm going to aim to do as we move forward. We were in Genesis chapter 1, and we talked about Jesus quite a bit at the end there, didn't we? Um, And from now on, we're going to put our focus on Jesus. It's doing exactly what Jesus said it was going to do. And that is, um, it's pointing the needs of Israel and all of humanity for some kind of deliverer figure, Jesus, who can do ex- for Israel what every human and what we can't do for ourselves. Um, what we can't do for ourselves. And that's, that's the reality is what we can't do for ourselves. And you're going to see the same trope over and over and over again in the scriptures. We have this in- person that has the opportunity to, to be righteous or to do well and, to, and, and we mess up. Because um, every time we are given that choice, 
You know, it's the same, it, it may not look like a tree, but it's the same choice that Adam and Eve had. Um, and every time we mess up, every time we have that choice, it's the same, same ideas. And, um, and uh, we'll see, and uh, I'll go to 1 John when we get there, when we get to chapter 3, which is going to take us a little bit to get to. But we'll get to chapter 3, we'll see uh, 1 John says that all sin can be wrapped up in these three things. And you guys can go look it up. And uh, he's riffing off of ideas found in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, on that, that idea. Uh, pride of life, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All of it can go right back to that sin. And so all of our sins, everything that we do that every time we mess up can go back to those three things is what John tells us. Uh, so, um, so yeah, so every time we say, well, we, we mess up, we do something we're not supposed to. And I'm not talking about breaking social laws. Or sometimes church laws that get added on. I'm talking about actual sins. <laughs> uh, you know, um, sometimes they are the same. <laughs> sometimes those are very different. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah. So um, uh, and I think we need to keep this in mind as we as we read this and we look at this. Um, this passage, no matter how we talk about it, how much we want to answer questions about historicity, because when we come to the, 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 this first chapter, these first, well, these first three chapters of the Scripture, a lot of times we want to focus on the historicity of it, historicalness of it. You know, and we're trying to put it into a debate with Darwin and scientists. That's what we're trying to do a lot of times. Um. So we use it to talk about human origins, gain insight about human or origins. Um, and those are interesting discussions and important ones to have. But I, I think when we focus on that, we're taking it out of the context of what it's supposed to be doing. And that's what it's supposed to be doing is telling us why we need Jesus. And that's really what it's doing, is telling us why we need Jesus. Not how do we look at this in the context of our modern understanding of scriptures and, uh, you know, and, and you know, because, you know, they, you know, the original writers, the original compilers, the, the people that put it together in, in this way, because they put it together in this way, uh, confusing that we have it all. You know, some of the things they had was confusion. You know, they knew there was confusion in between these two chapters, uh, first verse one and verse uh, chapter one to chapter two. They knew there was confusion there. You go all the way back to the earliest commentaries, and they talk about the confusion there. They knew it was there, but they did it anyways. And then, I mean, if we could talk about how easy it would be to just say, "Well, we don't. We're just going to skip one of these." And sometimes we wish they would, um, or. Rewrite this God in uh, in our cosmology, in English, using our modern idea of science to tell us about the origins of the of the world, and that's when we we try to do that, we're taking away the beautiness of what is actually happening here, and and so I think we got to keep it in mind that what this is doing is is doing exactly what Jesus said it was doing. It was telling us why we need a savior. <laughs> Uh, so those other conversations, yes, we're going to have them and they'll come up. But that's not really the main focus. Just like we talked about in Genesis chapter one, we had those evolution and and, and you know those uh, those you know creation evolution, all those different viewpoints that we talked about. If you missed those, you can go back LaughlinChurch.com and you can listen to those ones. Um, we had those conversations briefly. To put that, to say this is what it's about, takes away from what it's really about. And that is, we need Jesus. <laughs> we can't do this on our own. Um, and so, and other things that people have done with these chapters, uh, as we read these, uh, gender theory is another popular one that people use these passages for, as we were talking about men and women and, and general gender. I'm not saying these things aren't in, or original sin, what is original sin? 
what is that original sin? You know that at one point, until uh, actually relatively recent, the, ori- the idea of original sin referred to sex in general. Um, yeah, uh, sex was the original sin. Um, um, go, go, go read the monkey trials. Um, um, that was actually one of the things they talk about in there. Um, what is the original sin? Um, uh, well, but see, but, but we, 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 we try to answer these questions, and there's things that we can speak into this matter, but no matter what we're, you know, and there are other things we could focus on. We can use these passages to look into issues, but when we take our eyes off of what, the, their, what they're supposed to do, the narrative speaks, the Bible is focused on, on things. We need to, um, to focus on what the, the authors of the Bible are actually focusing in on. Uh, we, make, we make jumps. We make jumps all the time. Into, well, this is what it's talking about. This is what it's talking about. But we need to ask, so what were they thinking it's talking about? And that's very hard for us to do. And I don't know, I, sometimes I wonder if I've got it right. <laughs> but it's always the thing I'm always asking myself. The authors that, were, that put it together, what were they talking about? Um, the, the process of asking that question, what were they talking about? And then bringing it across the bridge of time to us now is a process, there's a big word for that. It's called hermeneutics. Hermeneutics. You can take entire classes on it, and there's big, heavy books on the subject. Uh, really dry reads. But Well, really, we, that's really not a question for what we're focusing on. Uh, that was something we talked about in church history when we did the church history section. Um, I can answer briefly some of that question. Um, no, let me just answer that one because I don't really want to come back to that topic because that's really not really the focus of Genesis 2 and 3. Um, the idea is when did we stop writing the Bible? When did that... Um, the Old Testament was completely... Um, really started being, it was an oral language, an oral tradition that started getting written down throughout. There was portions of it that was written down at different parts in the history, but it really got solidified in its final writing form during when they got taken into exile in the Persian era. I think 500s BC. They started writing these down because they were forgetting it, so they started writing things down. And so they wrote things down. And then there were books, and they tried to decide which one. And then a council in about 70 A.D. got together and decided after they were looking at all the, the, all the books, the traditions, that, you know, and they had, it was pretty much solidified by then for the Old Testament, what they were. But they, were, they had this, this upstart re, uh, group called Christians that were making them say, well, they, the Jewish people were saying, do we want to add their books too? And so they started looking at, well, what books do we want in this? What books are people using? Because there's, there's usage, there's uh, traditions, things that match. Because some things are way out there. You're like, you're like, oh, that doesn't match anything else that we're reading. Uh, and, you know, and God has a hand, his hand in all this. And so they said, okay, let's get to a council of people. It's not like one guy, one king. A council of people got together and they said, let's... Oh, well, let's look at what people are using and what's in, and, and they debate, and, and they said, okay, these are the Old Testament. And then we did something similar with the New Testament. There's lists going back, actually relatively quickly after Jesus' death, they're saying these are the lists the churches are using. Um, and they slid it, and so they, you know, and you can go back and read the different church historians and the different church, uh, what we call church fathers, the early church fathers, and they have lists that they were believing, and then, then there was a, some debate about certain passages, like you know, like should Hebrews be in this one, or you know, and uh, and but it got solidified relatively early on. Um, 
and then uh, I guess in the Catholic Church, it didn't get solidified till about the 300s. Um, but that was, but they what they were basically saying they weren't making the Bible. They were saying, this is what you guys are using. So they kind of like. They were just kind of confirming what everyone was already using. Um, but, uh, but you can go back and read listings of people like saying this is what... And uh, really what we said, okay, we've got Jesus. We as believers in Jesus said, okay, we're going we're gonna to stop it at people that st- were with the apostles. We're not going to have anyone after the apostles, the people that were there, the eyewitnesses. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then you have Paul, who was the last apostle. Uh, the last one to see John. And, then, and so you have John, who wrote the book of Revelation and, and put that at the end. And, um, and so that's how that happened. Uh, in a nutshell, that's, there's, there's a lot to that. But Yeah, and like I said, I like translations. They help me read it, but I always recommend you read multiple translations. And what you do, the best thing to do is say, okay, here's a word that's different in this translation than in this translation. I highlight it. What's the difference? Why are they doing this? Or, or a sentence or a way they phrased it or, a, or even in someone, like they left out a, a, a like, you know, King James has some verses that got left out of later ones. Um, because later ones were following the older versions of the, the writings that when King James was written, it, they didn't even have the Qumran, the, the stuff at the Dead Sea Rose. They didn't even have that stuff yet. It hadn't been found when Qumran, when King James was written. So they say, well, oh, this is a much earlier copy of this book, and it doesn't have this verse. So, um, so that's why some of that's not left in there. Or sometimes they change some words, like uh, one Greek version may say um, Judea, and another one may say Galilee, and uh, and because at some point when the author said, "Well, that's kind of confusing. <laughs> what are we talking about here?" Um, and that was back in the Greek, and so you had different uh, different issues. And there's a whole like study on this that you could do, and um, it's really interesting. But, the, but like I said, just be real with it and read multiple translations. Say. What is being said here? What, and that's one of the easiest ways. Like, you know, I know you guys, most of you have not studied the Hebrew and the Greek. And, most, and some, several of you are like, I ain't even going there. I have no desire. Um, and so that's why I say, you know, like, as me, as I love doing that. And that's fantastic. And, you know, that's why I got my Bible Geek t-shirt on. I, um, I th- you know, but, but one of the easiest ways for you guys to do it and you're in, in, you know, without leaving the Hebrew and the Greek, is to say, all right, well, here's multiple translations, you know, where are they different? And then you can start asking, why are they different? What are they trying to accomplish? What's the trying to, what's, well, what use that word or that phrase? And, um, and, uh, and you say, well, I don't know. Or you could ask someone, you know, ask someone about it or look it up or start looking at, well, a commentary or, or start digging into, you know, different things you can do. Um, the, the, the thing that a lot of us, we're, we don't like is we don't like to do work. Um, and that kind of reading does require us to, to do more than just like, like, like I'm sitting back and reading a romance novel, you know, that's that kind of dead reading, you know, um, uh, you know, or Western, uh, you know, you just read, you know, just flip through, you know, or graphic novel, manga, you know, we just, you know, we can read these kind of things. Um, and that's, that's fun reading. Don't get me wrong. I do that all the time. But that's not the kind of reading we need to be doing for scriptures. <laughs> The scriptures are meditative literature, which means we're supposed to be muttering, thinking about. That's what the word meditative in Hebrew means. It means to, to mutter. So you're always thinking about them and muttering them. And 
Uh, you know how when you're thinking to yourself, you're always talking to, to yourself? That's what the word means. It's like to, to, to constantly be having them going through your head. And you're wrestling with things, and, you're, and, and that's tough. <laughs> that's hard. But, um, but, uh, but that's what we're supposed to be doing in Scripture, and it's supposed to be a, a, a lifelong journey of how, what does it mean? What does these passages mean? Um, you know, I'm at the point in my life, I, I'm reading these scriptures and I'm, I'm passing on to you guys what I believe about what I've learned about them. I, my prayer is that when I come back in this a year, two years, five years, that I've learned more and I can pass on more information to you guys. Um, cause I've been muttering on it all this time. And, and, uh, um, and so that's, um, you know. So I'm curious to all the things that you have read and studied. Um, I was told that the reason we have so many different variations is because one versus another was being swayed. Did you ever find in anything that you read that you were being swayed? There are some passages, there's definitely, when, when, nothing we do as human beings are without reason. And we carry a reason for why we do everything. And some of that may be as simple as I want to get as close to the Bible as I can. I want to translate it word for word. And so like the LEB, uh, Lex, the Lexham English Bible and uh, is is and the New American Standard Bible are are like as close to in English word for word as you can get. Uh, they're very hard to read. <laughs> um, other Bibles they come into it with like, okay, I want to create a Bible that is true to the spirit of what's being said here. Uh, like I want to, I want to, you know, like I want to be true to the, like the the original NIV. There's several different versions of the NIV. I don't know if you know that. Um, the original NIV was um, was like I want to be true to the spirit. Like they're called a thought for thought, and sometimes that's really good because they kind of that's easier to read and you get like the idea behind it. Uh, the CSV that we just read is actually kind of like. A middle ground one it's kind of they they have like word for word but thought for thought going and try to make it easier to they're trying to keep closer to it uh, other translations of the bible they like like king james authorized the king james version of the bible and so anything that went up against that he thought that was gonna uh, upset his rule of things well you need to change that um that's but that doesn't mean he, there are some very good things about the King James. I'm not saying the King James is bad. I'm just saying that there was that uh, ESV. I kind of don't like the way they do with some of It's a wonderful translation. Their study Bible is fantastic. But I'm not so crazy about the way they, do, they change some of the passages about men and women. They kinda like, they're kind of negative towards women in a lot of passages that I'm like, I don't know if you really need to be so negative towards women because I'm not sure that passage really does that. Uh, but that, that's what, you know. Um, so I don't know if it's really like they're trying to sway you to a point of view as it's just they're... Anytime we do something, we have a reason and biases and all of the garbage that comes along with being humans or less than humans, I guess we could say. And you have to accept that when, that when, when we write stuff, we set out to do stuff, it's going to be in there. Mm-hmm. And or things that someone had written down, which obviously was their personal account. Yeah. Or maybe the group that happened to be there. So I was just, it didn't quite make sense to me how they would sway, literally sway. To me, sway means that I want you to believe what I believe. Yeah. That's not really how the scriptures are really set up in the Hebrew and the Greek. They're just, they're laying out, because remember, 
the Israelites, they, they, especially by the, the people that are writing it, they are firm believers in Yahweh. And they are, or, or in Jesus Christ, who is Yahweh. Um, well, you know, the, they are firm believers in this, and so they are writing this down. They're not really trying to sway your belief. They are just expressing what they are. There are some passages that have some things, like Paul's writing. He's writing letters to, people, to churches that were on the edge of being like, you're going astray, so you can have some of those things like, hey, you need to come back. Uh, so a lot of Paul's writing, if you're going to talk about swaying people to a point of view, Paul would be the closest thing you'd get to like, hey. Um, but he was there. But he was there. He was there. Uh, so, yeah, he's just being, but, uh, but you know, but no, the, the passages themselves are not, they are written by people throughout history and, and in that, those time periods. Okay. You know, what their perspectives were. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, yeah, there's obviously, you can't copy word for word. No, any translation. Well, I, 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 I would have to look that up, but Paul wrote probably more uh, books of the Bible than any of the rest of them. Yeah, Paul wrote more books, arguably 13 of them, uh, of the books of the Bible were written by Paul. And why? Because he was a letter writer. Um, you know, like, you know, you have like Matthew who writes a gospel, the good news, well, Paul's a letter writer. He's writing it to, well, he's in one place. He's writing it to this church right here. So we, if you look at history, people, I wonder, I was curious about this as I was reading a book on John Adams. <laughs> he was a letter writer. So we know a lot about what John Adams thought and was where, what about modern people? We don't actually write anything. We just send emails and, uh, <laughs> I mean, how will, will in the in the future? What will people know about us, uh, you know, other than the things we publish? You know, and even that's a lot of that's changed to electronic versions. Uh, you know, how will that change the way we know things? And of course, how much do we not know because we only get what they wrote in letters? You know, we don't write a lot of things. You know, there's some things we just don't write down. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, so there's, there's interesting, but we know a lot about Paul. We have a lot of Paul's works because he's a letter writer. And so that was preserved. I think God did that on purpose. So we have these things. Uh, blessed be Paul who letter writes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, because, you know, some of the other people would be like, I ain't writing that. <laughs> Let me, I'll come visit. <laughs> I'll send you a text. <laughs> A hardback Bible. Yeah, 
Yeah, you know, I actually have run into that. And actually, one of the people that were watching me online apparently was ribbing me because I was one of them iPad. This is an actually iPad, but I don't have that much money. But because uh, <laughs> I'm one of them iPad users, you know, got to get yourself a good King James is what they said. Um, but, you know, we have to realize that even the way we have the, the, the Biblios, the, the Bible as, as itself, that has been a development. Uh, and, you know, one time it was all scrolls, you know. Um, so we have to realize that as time goes, it's going to be put into another, another format for people to use. Uh, my personal way to read the Bi- favorite way to read the Bible is I like listening to it. Uh, I'm an audio person. That's my, so uh, when I'm, before I preach a passage, yes, I read it. Yes, I study but often, when I, the first thing I do, and I'm, I'm, my next passage, like we're doing Romans, right? So the first thing I did when I was, we're, you know, chapter 2, let's say, Romans chapter 2, I'm going to sit down. And first thing I did was pop in the audio version and sit back and just listen to it. No, not one over the other. I usually just use the version Bible app because it's got a nice, easy way, easy hit play. Of course, our Laughlin Church app um, has, uh, you can listen to it on there as well, Laughlin Church. There's a, a play button on there as well. Um, well, it probably means he was tempted in his phone. He's probably doing something he shouldn't have done. and That's a place of temptation. We tend to hate in others what we hate in ourselves. Um, so it was probably a place that he finds temptation in his phone, so he's like, I don't want you to bring your phone because that's where I find tempted, and you're going to be the same way. Right? Yeah. Man-made rules. Uh, of course, you know, look at here. I've got, you know, compu- two computer, a computer tablet and a phone all going on at the same time here uh, <laughs> because I'm all over the place, but that's... Uh, uh, yeah, well, being modest, but what defines modesty has changed over time. It changes to culture to culture. So, um, um, so, anyways, we are out of time. We are already out of time. So we're going to come back to this chart right here, which if you cannot see, it's in the notes on the app. Um. That one is, thank you, Bible Project. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to come back to this. This is the uh, layout of the first two chapters uh, of, the, of the Eden narrative. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, ah, we'll come back to this idea. Seven sections. Who knew? What about that? Well, didn't we just spend a whole like bunch of time talking about seven? Mmm. wonder if they're related. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. All right, let's go ahead and pray and we'll be dismissed. Father God, right now we praise you, we, we, we worship you, we thank you for the wonderful blessing of just gathering here, Lord. We, we know that uh, you are always at work and always moving in us, Lord. We pray that we have uh, the desire just to sp- spend time with you and to meditate on your word and, and as we look into it, Lord, we want to be a blessing to you. So, Lord, we, we, we praise you and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, before we go, um, I have something that's not related to the Internet. So, Aiden, you can turn this off. Um, a man named Marvis Williams, who used to attend this church here, he hasn't been well in a long time. Um, he had a surgery, ended up having to have his leg amputated. Now he's moving to Vegas where his doctors are and stuff like that. And he's got family coming down to help him with the physical move, but he's having trouble packing. So if anyone's interested in helping him pack or knows of a group out there that he can hire or, or whatever that would help come in and help pack up, he lives over in Quell Ridge. Um, 
over yonder. <laughs> uh, on this side of the river, right? Um, but if you, yeah, I have his phone number and he's looking for help. He didn't say he's, he's just trying to get out. So he's, he's kind of at the mercy of people who will help him. <laughs> uh, he did not tell me that. Um, I, the way it sounded was the sooner the better. He's having to get rides up and back up to Vegas where his doctors are at. Uh, so he's, I, I have no idea. So, so he's trying to get out so he can get to Vegas. He's an ex-police officer and... Uh, a forensic cr- criminologist. He was a really interesting guy, um, but um, but yeah, he ended up losing his leg over uh, uh, some issues, and he can tell you all about it, not me. Um, but if you want to help him, like I said, he's having trouble with the packing process. Obviously, with one leg, he's uh, yeah. I I don't know what all he needs, but if you're li- willing to help him, I got a phone number. Uh, so um, he'd, he'd love that. And of course, if you just know of a group or an organization that would come in, you know, he said he's willing to pay, uh, a, you know, like a, or someone, a group that helps disabled people. He's not a veteran. I'm like, well, I know people that help veterans, but, <laughs> but just disabled. I know, uh, but he, like I said, he doesn't need help with the move itself, just the packing part. So, so, um, so, uh, yeah, so I don't know all that. They do not. I found out about it just before I came down here. And helping hands uh, would be great. Uh, I know they would need some men to go over there with him. He is a single man. Uh, the helping hands uh, needs more men if you're helping, interested in helping, out, helping hands. Because um, they need more men to work with the men. They have lots of women that are willing to help with, but, you know. You have to be careful. Um, so, yes, my son. Will I go up there? Yes, please. You can go.